Hello and welcome back to the Village Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Harris. My co-host moved to Milwaukee, so here I am solo. Never fear, I am going to break down how to set goals in 2020, 2020 and beyond. We are here, we are ready, and we are going to help you get to uh, become the fitness person you always wanted to be. The one that you've always imagined in your mind that you wanted to be uh, all the way into 2020 and beyond. So first we got to ask the question, why do most people suck at setting goals? Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're one of the people who sucks at goal setting. We find that most people who suck at goal setting are very much focused on winning someday, but not winning every day. Um, so all of a sudden, uh, a day missed becomes a week missed, becomes a month, etc. cetera. Uh, but it's not just that they miss and it, they're lacking willpower because usually there are people who have tremendous amounts of willpower. And when someone's life is on the line, or metaphorically life is on the line, they can actually do extraordinary things. Really good in a crisis, uh, definitely people you want having your back, but they don't have what they want. Uh, and we find that when people don't have what they want, especially when it comes to fitness, it's not because they lack knowledge or willpower, it's because they lack the skill. So the skill of winning every day is what we built. So most people suck at setting goals because they focus on winning someday instead of, as John Wooden said, making every day their masterpiece, right? Winning every day. So the right question is not, what do I need to do in order to get my goal? The right question is, who do I need to become and what does that person do? And then how do I acquire those skills? So to break it down even more than you would if you were doing like a SMART goal, which is a fantastic framework. Uh, SMART goal stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. It's an acronym that helps people set goals that are all rooted in reality, right? Time-bound. Give it a time limit. Make sure you know when it's due. Uh, because if you're not in school, you don't really have due dates outside of work, especially for fitness. Uh, you have things that people seem to have done radically fast, uh, but that's not often the time frame that we need. So we need something that's time-bound, but we also need something that is, uh, and attainable is the realistic side of thing, but we also need something that is action-focused, right? What is the thing that you need to do in order to get there? The SMART goal is for picking. The uh, framework that I'm gonna show you is for breaking down what actions you actually need to take and how often you need to take them. So. First, what I want you to do is think about who you want to be in 2020. Do you want to be fitter, leaner, stronger, faster, more energetic? And then you can use that SMART goals framework um, of uh, making sure that you've picked correctly. Uh, specific, how heavy do you want to be? Do you want to be lighter or heavier? How lean do you want to be? What's your percentage of body fat that you think is going to be the goal? Do you want a six pack? For guys, that's probably going to be under 10%. For ladies, it's going to be around that 15 to 18% body fat. So we get some numbers around it. How strong do you want to be? How much weight do you want to lift? So you think about what your ideal uh, version, ideal fitness goal, your dream body. Imagine what it has and can do and feels like. And then we can tie some numbers to that. We also need to tie behaviors to it that are a few steps back. So for example, someone who just ran a two hour marathon this year, 
didn't start by sprinting at a two-hour marathon pace. They slowly built up their aerobic base to the point where they could sustain that level of work, and then they slowly increased the amount of miles that they did until that was the amount that they were adapting to. They didn't just drop themselves into the Thunderdome and uh, expect to come out alive. So there are a couple situations where we can actually do that and change everything all at once. Chances are you're not in one of those scenarios. If you're interested, I can talk more about that on a later show. So what we're going to do is bake the goal cake. Okay, I'm going to show you how to bake the goal cake in this uh, episode. It is a mental model that I use for mapping the type of actions that we need to take. So what we do is what we call outcome-based decision-making. So we try to unemotionally look at what the outcome is that we are getting and then reverse engineer the behaviors from there to see if what we're doing is working or not. And if it's not, we change something about it. So baking the goal cake, it takes a little bit of uh, forethought, but it can really save you a ton of time and make sure that your willpower isn't drained as you're going. So that's how you bake the goal cake. Step number one, now that you've chosen what your, your goal is, you need to figure out what the abilities or skills are that that person has. So if you're stronger, the skill is lifting weights consistently, most like, right? If your goal is uh, to get leaner, the ability is something as concrete as counting your calories, but it can also be as abstract as feeling hungry most of the time. If we're going to use, if we're going to achieve superhuman levels of leanness, here you can see all eight abs or however many abs you physiologically have. Um, so you can see every bit of leanness that you possibly have. You're going to need some skills, right? So hungry most of the time is one of those skills. And a lot of people don't have that. So how do we build those skills? Well, we need to be able to measure them. So that's why we loop in metrics as the next thing. We want to tie, again, the metrics to the ability, not to the outcome. So the metric of lifting weights every day would be, uh, or lifting weights more frequently and lifting heavier weights over time, would be tracking your the weights that you lift, the overall volume. That's something that a good coach can do, uh, but it's something that you can do in just a notebook. Super cheap. So we want to tie the abilities to the metrics, not the outcome. If you say you want to squat 400 pounds, uh, and assuming you can't right now, if you say you want to squat 400 pounds, you want to measure the uh, amount of times that you squat and the amount of weight that you squat. You don't just want to measure what your max squat is every day. Uh, that would be one of those extreme situations that maybe like gun to your head, you might be able to do for a short period of time, but it's far from sustainable. And if we're talking about keeping these things all the way throughout the 2020s, then we definitely don't want to do our short-term sprint mindset uh, that riddles uh, the rest of the fitness industry. We want to get you there and keep you there. So we want to tie metrics to abilities, and then we want to tie actions to metrics. So the action would be going to the gym. If you want to get strong enough to squat 400 pounds, we need to go to the gym. We also probably need a strength-biased program in order to get to 400 pounds. That doesn't happen by accident, unless you're a genetic freak of whom I've met several, say 500 pounds. Can't squat 500 pounds by accident. Got to do something smart to get there. So want to tie your actions to your metrics and then metrics to the abilities. 
right? So I've uh, built out one of uh, an example of my own personal goal that I'll be chasing in this 2020 challenge. Hint. One of my goals is to weigh 200 pounds at under 10% body fat. I want to do this so that I look better. Um, that's it. That's it. So if you were looking for permission to have a vanity goal uh, and you thought that it uh, it was only, um, only really selfish and vain people who uh, had aesthetic goals like that, um, then you can take my example to either emulate or reject based on who you think I am. So if you're looking for permission to have a vanity-based goal, there it is. I want to be 200 pounds at uh, under 10% body fat. My current metrics are around 13% body fat at 185 pounds. So the ability that I need to watch uh, when I'm gaining body mass, for me personally, is staying healthy while I'm in a caloric surplus. So how do we measure that? Healthy in a caloric surplus. It takes about 3,500 calories over what you're currently eating or your what your body burns to stay the same weight in order to build a pound of weight, whether that's fat or muscle. So we need to train to send the body signals to build muscle. And we also need to eat in a caloric surplus. And the time that you do this over can really affect how much weight that you gain is muscle and how much is going to be fat percentage-wise. So the things I need to measure to ensure that I'm in a surplus are going to be calories, <clears throat> the amount of protein, so that I make sure that I'm building muscle and not just fat. And then I need to measure my body weight and my body fat percentage. So the calories and the protein are the things that are the um, driving factors, right? Those are the habits that I'm building in measuring calories and protein to make sure that I'm hitting enough, uh, enough of an energy surplus to actually build muscle. And then the things that I'm measuring to make sure that we're on track are the body weight and the body fat percentage. And all the way down here, we've got the actions. The actions being the things that I need to do in order for the metrics to work so that I can gain the abilities that I need in order to get to the goal. Right? So it sounds really complicated. Basically, I'm going to cook most of my meals on Sunday or have someone else cook them. Right? I'll get to that point later. I'm going to cook my meals on Sunday. So that I have for the week all of the calories that I need, and then I need to eat them. So the two actions that I need to take are pre uh, prepare my meals, and then I need to um, it's prepare my meals, and then be full. Right. So the that's the other skill of mass gain. Just like the other side of the coin, of uh, whereas being full is for mass gain, being hungry is for f fat loss. Right, so those are the skills slash the actions tied to the metrics that we're looking for. So the actions that you take are tied to the metrics. So we're measuring our protein calories, body weight, and body fat percentage. And we're building the skills of staying healthy while in an energy surplus. Does that make sense? So we're gaining abilities. And then I'll always have that ability. I'll always have the ability to eat in an energy surplus. Always, always. And I'll have built that by measuring the actions. Ta-da! Now, the one thing to watch out for is, of course, the valley. Every single person has felt this. This is when motivation wanes and tracking the numbers becomes less important than the feelings that you're feeling in the moment. Which is why, in order to make these actions as doable and consistent as possible, we need to make it easy. Uh, my 
one of my coaching methods is to make it too easy. I kind of want someone to not believe me uh, in the first for the first action that we take. Like, oh yeah, I can 100% do that. So one of the questions that we ask is, um, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being uh, I absolutely 100% will, am already almost doing everything. I just need to change one thing. And one being I could never do that in a million years. How confident are you that you can do that? How confident? And people will say, I'm nine or 10 out of 10 confident. If they're not nine or 10 out of 10 confident, we pick something easier. And this, in addition to being outcome-based decision-making, is also the habit approach. This is one of our core tenets. Core tenets of Strongbox Fitness, uh, but it's also a core tenet of other really successful fitness places. Precision Nutrition, OPEX Fitness, uh, tons of places that are very, very successful uh, use the habit approach. <clears throat> and write about it. It's actually a pet habit or a pet topic of mine. So the number one strategy that we use um, is make the right thing to do, the thing that you want to do, the easier thing to do. Because the only thing easier than not doing a very easy thing is not doing it. Right? So I'll say that again because it's it's kind of like uh, trite. And I'm trying not to be trite. I'm trying to make this real for you. Um, the only thing easier than doing an easy habit is not doing it. So imagine that is uh, drinking 16 ounces of water when you wake up. Easiest thing in the world to do is is really simple. You just fill up a water bottle, keep it next to your bedside so you've already, like, you're exhausted going to sleep just assuming that you're like everyone else and that you're tired when you go to sleep. You're exhausted, but you drum up the willpower to fill up a water bottle and leave it right next to your bed. So you wake up, and you drink 16 ounces of water because you've been fasting for the last seven or eight hours while you've been asleep. So water is going to wake you up, kickstart your metabolism, as much as I hate that phrase, but it's going to get your body going for the day. What's the only thing that's easier than not than, than drinking that uh, 16 ounces of water? Just for like not doing it. So what do we have to do in order to make the right thing to do the easier thing to do? We have to change your environment. The habit approach is most successful when you combine tiny changes with a big boost of willpower. And we get that from kind of an energy surplus from either psychological energy of excitement, like, oh crap, this is actually gonna happen. This guy's actually gonna hold me accountable to the uh, goals that I set, and he's gonna give me the tools that I need to get there. Um, So we use bursts of energy to change your environment so that the habit becomes automatic. I'll give you an example from my life that I used recently. Uh, I stopped using my phone as my alarm clock so that I wouldn't get on the internet first thing in the morning. It's the easiest thing to do. So I used an old school digital alarm clock that beeps at me when it's time to wake up. So I I don't use my phone to track my sleep anymore. So now my phone is not in the room So I would have to do a harder thing, which is like go all the way, like past the bathroom where my morning routine begins to get my phone in order to hop on it in the morning. So it's now easier to not do that. So the habit that I wanted to build of not consuming content first thing in the morning, but being creative and like uh, making sure that I start the day off on the right foot uh, and and, uh, in the right kind of headspace is now easier. 
because I'm not using my phone to track my sleep. Right? So I do have to find a way to track my sleep better. Maybe I use one of those uh, Fitbits or uh, Whoops or something like that. But a, I was motivated to change my environment. So I changed my environment, and now everything's downhill. I don't have to pass the marshmallow test when I'm groggy in the morning every day. Uh, if you have, if you don't know what the marshmallow test is, uh, it was when a uh, they did this experiment uh, f- and tracked uh, life success for kids uh, based on their ability to uh, resist temptation. So they would put a kid in a room with a single marshmallow, and when the researcher would leave the room, they would say, "You can, you're allowed to eat the marshmallow, but if you resist and don't eat the marshmallow, when I come back." I will give you another marshmallow and you can have two marshmallows. So the marshmallow test is a test of delayed gratification. Can you resist? The kids were waiting for like 10 minutes, which if you remember being a kid alone in a white room with a marshmallow, a long time, eternity even. So the kids that were the most successful, the ones who weren't, it wasn't that they were able to like super overcome the uh, willpower. Is They were the ones who put the marshmallow away. They took it out of their line of sight and made it further away so that they weren't reminded of it and didn't have to consistently like white knuckle their way through it. So we changed the environment so that we can change the habit. So we combine uh, energy from like, yeah, I'm really going to do this. Like the psychological energy of starting a challenge or a um, program or something like that. And we get everything set up so that the environment supports the person that we want to become. Whew. Nice. Next, what we're going to be looking at are the tools that I use uh, or that I use in my coaching or my personal life in order to um, track and stay on top of the habits. So the habits that I track are all kind of like binary, like yes or no. And for that, um, you can use like a paper clipboard. You can kind of see I've got this guy right here. So I see it every single day and this has check boxes for every single day so I can check off whether or not I've completed, sorry, I'm away from the microphone, or right where I have to look at it when I approach my desk every day so that I can check off the habits that I want to be doing. If you're a little bit more digital minded, you can use an app called Strides Habit Tracking. They used to have a web app, but it was too expensive for them to keep going, so they uh, they're just mobile now. Very good for tracking all sorts of things. I really like their platform. Um, My Fitness Pal is really great for nutrition tracking. Um, Best Self is a journaling company, and they make paper and pencil journals. Uh, and I use that for uh, tracking my day using a zero-based calendar and uh, keeping up with uh, Bible study, so that I don't fall behind on my spiritual life. I use True Coach as an app. For training, because I get my workouts programmed by someone else, so I don't have to decide what to do for the workout. I know that today I have a 30-minute AMRAP to do, and it's a yes or no. Like, did you do it, and what did you bring to the training? So all I have to focus on is the quality of my reps and movements. I don't have to focus on... uh, the, The only metric I have to worry about is the quality of my lifting. I do not have to continuously map out the outcome that I need. I outsource that to someone else who uh, can look at it a little bit more dispassionately. Uh, and if you are 
bootstrapped or don't want to like do all these different tools, you just use an Excel spreadsheet or Google Sheets. That's what this, uh, this clipboard is. The clipboard is just a printed out Google Sheet that uses the chalks feature. And I just colored in with pencil. It can replace everything. Spreadsheet sheets are magical. Uh, and if we're trying to do some extraordinary things, we actually have to live our life kind of according to spreadsheets. Um, you do boring things so that you get unboring results. So what are your 2020 goals? This is what I want to leave you with is you can use this framework for other things outside of fitness, uh, but I can't help you with those. Um, I'm not a professional when it comes to money or relationships or uh, any of that stuff. I'm a professional when it comes to strength, fitness, and nutrition. That's what I do. So my call to action for you, what I'd like you to do from this is <clears throat> loop in some type of coach or accountability partner. It's easiest when you have a coach. Like I have a coach for almost every aspect of my life. Uh, I have a coach that I want to be more like. So uh, I have them come up with a plan to help me get there and they come up with the actions that, uh, that I should be taking in order to achieve the goals. Um, if, if you want, so this is my second call to action. Uh, what I want you to do is uh, pick up a free coaching call with me if you want to design for the year. Uh, this is called a transformation session. Uh, it's kind of, you know, frou-frou and uh, esoteric sounding, but it's actually pretty useful. We come up with exactly what you uh, are going to want to do action-wise in order to accomplish the fitness goals. Um, we can dig a little bit into areas outside of that, but I don't feel well qualified in order to help you reach your like uh, self-actualization goals. That's up to you. I can help you get strong, but you're going to have to be self-actualized. Worst case scenario, if you uh, set up a coaching call with me, um, you're going to have a plan. In the best case, you're going to have a coach that actually holds your feet to the fire and gets you there. So if you're interested in uh, setting up a call, uh, what you would do is go to strongboxglenallen.com slash get dash started. And that's going to take you um, to our six-week challenge page. And uh, when I reach out and text you, you can just say that you're interested in the coaching call that you heard about on the podcast because um, I will text you almost immediately. I'm pretty good at this. So that is our 2020 goal setting episode. I wish you nothing but success with your fitness goals, regardless of who is helping you um, or the route that you choose to take. Um, and I will see you on the other side.